my god, we're back. You guys, this is not a joke. This is real. We are back. After what feels like forever, when in reality it was probably just a few weeks, I got my little tush back in my chair, took out, dusted off my microphone, and recorded an episode with my friend all the way in Canada. And I really think you're going to enjoy it. I mean, I've, I've missed this so much. And once again, we went down, we got sidetracked, as every episode seems to do. And we talked about something that is um, obviously near and dear to Danny Zach's heart um, and has become dear to mine over the last few years, which is chronic pain and natural and holistic healing. Um, with every episode, we end our little conversation with the question of how do we support and better love our friends and those in our community that are experiencing chronic pain. And so I hope you listen. I hope you enjoy. Um, and I hope that you'll honestly... It would be great to get some reviews. I haven't really asked for that before. Officially, I'm ranting now as the intro to this episode. But what is new? But if you loved something or even just slightly liked something, it would be great if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review or, you know, slide in the old DMs and leave a review. It means a lot. It's very encouraging. Um, It helps me know what to fix. If you have some constructive criticism, I'm all for it. I'm going to shut up now and let us get into the episode. Hello, hello. We welcome to another episode of Amateur Activist. It's been, I feel like a, a few weeks since the last episode, so I'm actually really excited to be back in my my desk chair recording an episode with um, a friend of mine all the way, I think you're my first international guest, which, <gasps> welcome. Oh, I made it. Yeah, you made it all the way from Canada, <laughs> virtually. Um, this is Danny Zach. How are you, Danny? Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course, of course. Um, I can't remember when Danny and I met. It's not really that important, I guess. I think 2018, 2019. Yeah, probably. 2019. I don't know. It's a blur. I feel like you have people that you know that you're like friends with and then you're like, I don't remember when, when our paths crossed, (laughs) especially when you're like at college or you're in like the Hillsong sphere. It's like, you just meet people all the time and you're like, everything's the same. Everything. Everything's the same. (laughs) Well, today, um, is, I think it's going to be a really interesting episode Um, because I think the topic is, um, I don't know if unique is the right word. I feel like it's something that a lot of people who will be able to relate to on some level, if they have someone that, um, has chronic pain or knows of someone. So I hope that, uh, anyone listening, uh, who relates to Danny's story feels encouraged and yeah, I guess we'll just jump jump right into it. So I'll let Danny take it from here. 
if you would, wouldn't mind explaining just kind of your story and then we'll get into the, um, I don't know, nitty gritty of it all and see how people can be amateur activists in this area of life. So over to you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so I'll just start, I guess, when I went away to Hillsong. So mm -hmm. I went from Canada to Australia um, to study dance. And then in my second year, I switched to the pastoral program. Um, and during that time, I think it was technically like halfway through my course, like through pastoral, I was hit by a car as a pedestrian. So there's pretty much like the school and then a sidewalk mm -hmm. and then the shops for people who don't know this area. <laughs> and right on the um, sidewalk, pretty much a car was sitting there idling and he wasn't drunk, but he had been at a funeral. So I describe it as like emotionally driving because they're out like chemically in your body. If you're super emotional and upset, it's actually, you don't have, the, you have the same lack of control as you were if you were drunk, which you can tell when you're like super emotional, trying to make decisions and stuff like that. That's probably a good example. So he was an idol from everything I know, I've never talked to him personally, but from like police documents and stuff like that, he went to reach for something in his, like the back of his truck or the seat behind. And when he did that, somehow he managed to press the gas super hard, which then took away the emergency brake. Cause some vehicles do that. When you press on the gas, it will automatically take that off. And so when he did that, he wasn't looking and he flew up and hit myself. And then my two friends, they went to the side and then I got the brunt of it. And I flew like halfway across um, like a an average size street. I don't know how to describe the length of that street, but um, yeah, so I flew, like I can remember being hit and all that stuff, the sounds and stuff. So I flew, I hit cement and I lost consciousness in that moment. And then when I woke up pretty much like the second I knew I am very good in like panicky and stressful situations. I'm very calm. And like, I know pretty quickly, like what I need and what I want. And I just like woke up and it was so spinny. It was like in a movie when you like see all their like eyes swirling and all the colors, like when they're coming, like to see clarity, you know, like a typical like cartoon or whatever. And I see the car coming back towards me. And I was like, my first thought was like, this person is being super intentional. Like they're trying to like kill me. But then luckily that wasn't the case. And they spurred off, they hit a pole. And then a lady from the side just came and was like screaming and panicking. And I just remember like looking at her and being like, you need to calm down. And I need you to call the ambulance because I can't move my legs. Like so calmly, just like, you need to do this for me. And then I was, it was crazy. An ambulance actually just happened to be there. So he was on site right away. Uh, and then said like, yeah, you have multiple fractures and breaks in both your legs, which I knew like the second I woke up, I was like, there's something very wrong. Mm -hmm. I couldn't move at all. Um, and so then he came over, started doing like, they had to cut my pants. They had to cut my shoes. All these things started checking me. And the other girls as well. Like I, I'm assuming he was the one to call like further backup. I don't know. Somebody did. Um, and yeah, so they're all checking us and stuff. And 
then like, of course, gradually the pain gets worse and worse and worse. And by the end, I remember there's just like a herd of students all around me. Mm-hmm. And because it was so central, like it happened right after a chapel, yeah. right after like, so when we're on break yeah. and so there's tons of people around me and I remember just trying to stay so calm. And then one of the teachers came up to me, and was like holding my hand, never had laid eyes on this woman ever before. <laughs> Didn't even know who she was because I was just never that person to go somewhere and like care about staff members or celebrities or like whatever, whatever you want to call them. Like, I just never knew who anyone was, but I was like, this is, this is a very intimate like moment. And I just like looked at her and she was like, it's okay. You can let it out. And then I was just like, I just started screaming and swearing like so like just I don't even remember that feeling of release but people like told me after like that is the most terrifying worst scream I've ever heard in my life like and I don't like I I wasn't on that many painkillers because they can't give it to you because to check for breaks and stuff they need to be able to move you and see what hurts but I was on like I remember inhaling like laughing gas and stuff like that and being and just like when I either have like anxiety, but typically when I'm in pain, I tend to like, I'll start hitting something like either myself or like patting the ground yeah. to try to keep myself calm. And I just remember tapping, just watching, being like, we need to go like now, 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 now. Yeah. And they did, they did a good job. Like, I think, I think I was probably on the cement for like 30 minutes, which I feel like is pretty fast for three people being hit. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. So we went in the ambulance Sydney, my friend, uh, my best friend, or one of my best friends in Australia was the one to say who I was. I was actually going to meet her. Um, and so she was, I was literally texting her. The last thing I te- remember doing before I was hit is I, I texted her saying, yeah, I'm coming. And then she was, I guess she realized like, oh, why isn't Danny here or something Danny? like that. Oh. And then she came out and was like, this is who it is, blah, blah, blah. So then we went together in the ambulance. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't remember, like I was, I know that there was lots of sounds around. I know the ambulance was like, the guy was calling saying like, yeah, she has muscle breaks and fractures. We're going to need to do this, this, and this. And then they just get you to keep on talking through to make sure you don't go uncon- like unconscious. And I honestly just remember being so annoyed being like, you've already asked me these questions, like, leave me alone. Like I was, yeah. I was like, is this person not competent? <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking that and then when place you're like oh I know what they're doing like why they're doing it but in the moment you're like this are you stupid (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah because I have a blood condition and so when it first happened I I kept on telling them like I have this condition which means I should be tested for blood clots because it just means I can blood get blood clots faster especially if I have like a high impact thing like that so I just kept on like wanting to make it make sure they knew but then they kept like kept asking me about it and I just remember sitting there being like are you kidding me like laying down I was laying but still um yeah so then we went to the ambulance same thing they strip you they cut all my clothes off head to toe I do not know how many doctors were there so many so many and I was just like, yeah, in all my glory, just <laughs> chilling out. And it didn't hit me like for like kind of what I said before, like I'm so calm and know what's yeah. happening before that. Like until we got like in the ambulance, I was still very calm. I just seemed like saying to myself to keep myself calm, mm-hmm. got to the ambulance. Like, and then at this point I was just like, yeah, whatever, cut it all off. 
take take whatever you need, <laughs> whatever. And then it wasn't until like we were doing the scans, which was so painful because yeah, they can't give you medication to yeah. numb the pain because they want to know what hurts. So they were like moving me all around to try to see like what was hurting and what wasn't. And then I think it, I just remember like as soon as they started pushing like pushing the cart or whatever I was on, then I was just like bawling and I couldn't stop. Like my whole body just like shaking and shivering and like just crying, like this huge emotional release mm. of like, just, yeah, I've never been that out of control out of my body ever. Mm. Like it was, well, yeah, I couldn't control it. Well, I can't imagine like you're probably one of the, like, I feel like dancers tend to be quite in control of their body and mm-hmm. know, know their body quite well so to be in that position where you're like <laughs> I'm out of like I don't have control of your response or whatever like that probably is terrifying yeah it's a very surreal feeling like when you literally can't you're like hyperventilating and crying so much and I know that like the counselor from Hillsong came and then I know Sydney was there for sure. And I was just screaming and bawling my, and like, obviously she, they couldn't do anything for me, but yeah. I was just like this huge release, which was, I don't even know, like I, when it stopped, eventually it did stop, but like, yeah, your body just is in such a big shock. Like even when I did end up like getting up to go to the bathroom and stuff, I just stood up and started vomiting. Like yeah. my body was just in such a big shock. But anyways, after that, um, and we got the, the scans back, they came back clean. So there weren't any breaks or fractures, even though they said that they were. So in that time frame, something happened. Uh, yeah, something <laughs> happened. Uh, whatever you want to call it, whether it's like healing or you know, like from prayer, like I know everyone was praying for me or whatever happened in that moment for me, I'm like, I know that there was something very like spiritual or magical or like there was, there's no doubt in my mind. I should have died that day. Yeah. There's absolutely no reason why I should be alive because of how I landed. Like I should have hit my head. I should have like, there's so many things. Yeah. Um, and like multiple people saw my legs and said that they were broken. I saw them, couldn't move them. I knew that they were broken. Both ambulances said that they were broken, but then after the scans, they said, came back clean. Which would have been so then, like, how long do you reckon? I know you probably weren't aware um, of time, but like a couple hours. I would give it maybe two hours. Yeah. I feel like they're pretty, they were quite fast. Oh yeah. I feel like <laughs> top priority. <laughs> yeah. So I'd say like two hours. Yeah. So then after that, um, was just like, yeah, crazy, obviously like all the doctors and stuff. I pretty much people were just coming to see me. Like all these doctors were like, Oh my gosh, how is she? Like, yeah. how are you not broken? Pretty much like just coming up nurses, like people would just come and check on me and being like, I've heard about you from this blah, blah, blah for, I just want to see your chart to see if this is like real. And I was on the news as well. Like they had the accident on the news. So yeah, it was very bizarre uh, for that. Sorry for, them. sorry for asking questions throughout this. Cause this no, is this is better. Like the entirety of the story. So you get, so they get your scans back 
nothing's broken at that point could you feel your legs or was it still at a point where you were like I still can't feel or move my legs oh I could feel them for sure they were in so much pain I've never in my life experienced that severity of pain before it but I couldn't move them because of the pain and what they try to do like after you're in I'm assuming surgery as well for an accident, if you're not, if your body isn't, you don't have any breaks, they're going to get you to try to put pressure on that and walk. Right. And it was the first day I actually refused. Like I put, I remember putting my toes down and just starting to cry so heavily because of the pain. And usually like, I have a pretty high pain tolerance. I'm like emotionally, like I cry all the time, but pain, I was pretty like, right. Pretty didn't crack easily. And I was like, no, I can't do it. Like, there's no way. Um, so they were very swollen, like beaten up, had like, you know, cuts and stuff all over them and all that. And so then we didn't, we waited to the physio to the next day. And I stayed overnight to try to walk. Right. Um, because yeah, they were giving me morphine and other painkillers. And I was just like, no, there's just Mm -hmm. no, there's just no way. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, and also in that time frame of like however long, even after that, because you lose like you lose so much muscle so fast, like when you're in a recovery as well. So learning to walk like even after that day when I started doing the rehab journey, that was a big thing because I lost so much muscle. So because I was so buff before. <laughs> but but I lost so so much. I and I was so skinny that it was like it just added another layer to it. But yeah, to answer your question, I could definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely feel that. Wow. So so that ha- so wait, so that happened. You stayed the night and the next day they started like rehab because nothing was mm-hmm. broken. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah they tried the day of and like I said I was just like absolutely yeah. not you're crazy so oh my god um next day. yeah and then that was the next day when I got up is when like I think yeah I went to like my friends were one of my really good friends who like pretty much moved in to help take care of me after the accident was with me and I like stood up and just pretty much started like vomiting yeah from all the chemicals and just like shock and stuff but yeah, the physio came, he kind of, he literally, like I was on crutches and it was literally like, just try to do like, just a little, like just a little scoot your foot forward. I wasn't picking them up. It was just like a little tiny shuffle. Yeah. Um, with both of them. And like, and from there it's crazy, but just because of that experience, like I had to rewire my brain of like, how do I walk properly? Yeah. Well, sorry, that's my next question was there's no bones broken well after the fact like <laughs> whatever were, happened happened whatever happened there, next day there's no bones broken did there was there any um like nerve damage or dis like because obviously you're having to relearn but like so there's a disconnect somewhere mm-hmm. right because like you're having to relearn something but was yeah. there nerve damage that they could um that they could see that they were like aware of or was it just so I didn't get my nerve damage diagnosis for like a year and a half after the accident. So they initially, because my legs were super swollen from impact, your body naturally, whenever you have a fall or break something, it's going to swell up and then try to kind of create this protective layer. 
And so they are so swollen for like months. I only could wear slippers. Um, so they just said it was like the pressure, like that's why I couldn't feel it was caused by the pressure. And then a year and a half later, I got my diagnosis of nerve damage, um, which, yeah, it took a very long time to get that diagnosis. Yeah. So that would be my next question would be like, okay, well, if nothing's broken, obviously you're rewiring, like you're having Mm -hmm. to relearn stuff, but the nerve damage year and a half is a very long time. So then, okay. So then perfect. So we have a background for that. And that was what year? 20. That was in 2017. Okay. So, oh, a year before I got here. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Okay. Not that that matters. Not that me knowing. (laughs) Oh my God, I have no idea. You should have known. I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that happened. So then now it's 2021. Chronic pain is present, obviously, because there's pain, initial pain on impact and through rehab and also obviously a year and a half nerve damage diagnosis. But from, it's been how many years? Quick maths, Isabella. Four. I just had my four-year anniversary of in September the, of okay, the accident. Four years. Yeah. So what has that journey looked like then? Because, so I guess I have so many questions. <laughs> First question, how long did uh, rehab take? Or is rehab something that's another, like something that's long-term that you'll always have to be doing to keep that like um, part of your body connected and working well? So I would say yes and no. When I say rehab, I usually mean rehab that the insurance company kind of forces you to go through. Right. So because it was a vehicle accident, um, his insurance would cover that cost and cover my medical costs, for an example. So because of that, they'll put you through both things that you think you need, but also things that they think that you need or they want to see you improve because they want to pretty much say like she's nothing about her is like still injured so they put you through like any psychologist counselor nerve damage like any of those things I've been to multiple times because Mm -hmm. they'll send you during rehab they'll send you to all these people and then at a certain point when they're like okay she's not getting better we need to come up with a settlement or we need to like close this case and pay for whatever future treatments she'll need or whatever that looks like then from that moment forward they're going to start sending you to a whole bunch of specialists so you're going to go to a psychologist who's batting for the insurance company and then you're going to go for the one who's batting for you so then you have like all that so that's more what I refer refer to in rehab it's like that process of the legal side of things right And that part took about, took two years total, Okay, which is very long for that type of accident. Like they said, it was, they, it should have been completed way um, faster, but for whatever reason, it took way longer. And then, but in regards to my lifestyle, I think of everything as rehab, like me doing the dishes as rehab, because I'm training my body how to stand a little bit longer to have the correct posture, doing lunges, working out doing laundry, sleeping, like all those things are like body movements are now rehab because my body is like you said, it's disconnected to some degree. Right. Um, And once you have an injury, your body is naturally going to be out of line other places because you're compensating. Right. So it's like, 
yes and no. But usually when I refer to rehab, it's that part when you're going through all of the insurance company and that chunk. Yeah. So how long, what was the, the time from um, the accident to when you were, uh, you felt like more comfortable walking where parts of that connection were starting to be reconnected? Because I know the legal yeah. side took two years, but were you walking yeah. kind of moving in those two years? Yeah. So I was on crutches for eight months, but within that, because it's a nerve injury, it isn't about, it's about the, about the quantity of time that I was on my feet. So it wasn't that I was incapable of walking. It's that I was incapable of handling the pressure on my body, on my nerves. Right. And then, so because of that, I would like get rides between like classes, for an example, or I would have crutches only half of the day because I could handle the first half potentially, but then the second half, that would be too much. Right. Um, so then that went on. Yeah. For eight months. So probably the first like two or three months I was on crutches all the time. And then slowly it like in the house, for an example, I started being able to do stuff without crutches, but then if I went out, yeah, I would always have them. So nerves are just a very tricky thing because you can't, they're very hard to measure in terms of like what you can handle and what you can't. Cause there's a lot of external factors that play into it. Right. Like if walking, for, for someone who's able-bodied, for an example, if you're walking, you probably don't think about like the tiniest incline in a hill, right? You just have to get to your destination. But because I was on crutches, for an example, or had this nerve damage, that little hill would make the difference of me going back on crutches for an hour earlier or not, or going home to rest or not. Right. So, yeah. Right. So I guess leading into another series of questions is like segue question of in the last, I guess in those two years of like the, of rehab, had they given you any, um, what would you call it? Like residing symptoms or like, so it's an accident. And so is there like a margin of like, you're always going to have this issue or was it, they were expecting you to kind of fully heal and recover from it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I would say the first probably eight months or something, six, eight months, they were probably quite hopeful. Like again, with nerves, like they could, once I started explaining the pain and being like, nope, these are the symptoms, this isn't going away. They kept on saying, okay, it's because your body's not used to the weight or it's not used, like they're so swollen. They were swollen for so long. But then once they started to like see that maybe that there was nerve damage, they were hopeful, but they would never say like, you are hundred percent going to heal because nerves right. are so hard to one, they're hard to measure and, and like general, how far is your gap that's been broken, mm. depending on where in your body that they are broken and which nerves. Um, and so when I, yeah, it probably was about like eight months or something. Then they started to say, you know, not everybody recovers. Not everybody has this. But up until that point, like they were very like sure that I was going to fully recover and expected that of me. But then when they were, and really pushing super, super hard for those results. But then when they weren't hitting that, then they started to kind of dive deeper and be like, okay, maybe there is something, maybe mm -hmm. she's not lying. There's a chance she might be telling the truth. Oh. So, which is like every medical story ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, did that answer your question? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. my next series of questions is about like the chronic pain in the sense of like, okay, obvious pain, initial accident, and then the months after that, you've explained that, you know, you had this pain that they kind of were, um, I guess, convinced was something more simple and surface level and ended up actually being like mm-hmm. you ended up with a nerve diagnosis, uh, nerve damage diagnosis a year and a half later. So with the chronic pain, because for, my, for myself, I have a chronic health condition and one of the symptoms is chronic pain. Um, mm-hmm. and so for me, it was like, okay, the pain that I'm feeling that I felt every day isn't normal, but it can be somewhat manageable, but I'm not like crazy. <laughs> like I'm not, yeah, I'm not making it up or I'm not exaggerating. This pain is actually just a symptom of a deeper health condition. And it was for me as a 15 year old who got this diagnosis was like, oh, okay, cool. Like it's not normal, but at least I know that it's, it's real. Like it's, it's, a tangible almost side effect or a symptom of something deeper so my mm-hmm. the, my question is more so like at what point were you like this pain is now chronic what steps do I now need to take to to live with it because and I my chronic pain is not related to nerves so I can't even imagine what that would feel like but at what point did you get to that to that realization of like this is chronic I need to figure out how to live with this because this is un- this is unlivable. Mm-hmm. I think I I want to say like I started kind of thinking about it, but not accepting it. Yeah. I think probably maybe like six months in when I wasn't seeing those okay. results that I was prom- like promised. Yeah. Um, and then for a long time because doctors said that I didn't have anything wrong with me and it was just in my head then I was like okay I'm just emotionally unstable (laughs) and so maybe like that's something but I I've always been someone like I trust my gut like I have I just like I know when something is right and because like you mentioned before I used to be a dance teacher and I danced for years I was also just very active in general, which made me very aware of my body. And so I I just had that gut feeling of like, no, there's really not something right. Something is wrong in my body. And like, I need to know what it is because it's not going away. So I think initially like six months, I was like, okay, stay positive. You can do it. And then, but I was like, but there's like, there may, I know that there's something not right Mm -hmm. that they just can't see yet. And then I think I truly, like, I probably didn't accept that that was reality until maybe like, maybe it was close to like a year and a half when I got the nerve diagnosis. And also when they said, well, some people just don't recover. Like, I remember that doctor's appointment. That was the first time when it like hit, like some people just don't get better. Yeah. And, I, and it was just like, Ugh. yeah, because for so long they're like, yeah, you're going to get better. And I was also in the environment that they were like, yeah you're going to get better. You're going to be great. Just push through hustle, hustle, hustle. And then it was like, no, you're not going to get better. Yeah. Um, And then at that point I was like, okay, these things aren't working for me. Like my mental health is not great in this environment. My physical health isn't great in this environment. Maybe I can't cure myself, but I need to do something Mm -hmm. that would, that would create a better life for myself to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. And so what were some of those, some of those changes? Because like, I think anyone with chronic pain, like you've, 
we're forced to mm -hmm. <laughs> to make some kind of I don't know if I would call it a sacrifice but some kind of change in order to live a better life because yeah mean, one it's chronic and two it's in your body so you're, you can't yeah. get away from it you're not escaping it so yeah what were some of those things that you those initial changes that you made and then what have you I guess uh kept or added on as the years yeah. have gone on so initially I think I slowly realized like I didn't have now I'm very much on a more holistic journey hmm. of like using I'm very much more aware of like natural ways that I can heal my body at that time I was so exhausted and so like deep in depression and so just like surviving mentality that I was just like I'll do anything like give me anything so I was taking lots of different painkillers which then hurt my stomach and that was also like it damaged my stomach lining from taking it because my doctor wasn't the best but anyways at that moment when I like noticed like physically I'm not I can't eat because my stomach is in so much pain right I was like okay what are the things that I can eat what's easy for me to digest that I don't feel like nauseous after let me just focus on that and my sister's a herbalist so I like message her being like okay these are the things that I like feel like I can eat what's like combinations that I could try that I could get some nutrition in me without feeling like so nauseous and gross after so that I can take this like my medication as well right and so like after that I was like okay there's these obviously there's something like very not right in my body and I also grew up in a very like very healthy holistic town in general mm. a lot of healing practitioners are where I live now and where I like came from so because I had that previous knowledge of like uh, different nutrition that you can find or like different healing like ways, like natural path and stuff like that. I was like aware of it. Then I just started asking my sister things that I could do when I was in Australia through my diet. And then a big thing also, there were just mental things. Like I just was like, Hey, I just don't, I can't sacrifice myself anymore. So if it, if someone doesn't accept who I am now, which was a, it was very challenging for people because my personality shifted a lot. Mm a lot, a lot, a lot. And a lot of my friends, like I'm truthfully not friends with them anymore because our connection was like dance or me being super extroverted, me being super bubbly and my personality. Like I just was like, Hey, I don't have the energy to be that person anymore. So mm -hmm. I'm in survival mode. I don't have the energy to be super bubbly and extroverted because I'm an introvert now because I need to be, that's like, now that's what my body needs. And so I was just mentally like, unapologetically myself and like I don't I don't have energy to give to this yeah. which like obviously is a very long process yeah and like just another way to word boundaries but <laughs> always but like just like boundaries <laughs> yeah boundaries. yeah so like accepting that and then just being like okay what does it look like to put myself first so I actually can heal and especially in that, like maybe any college environment, but the environment that I was in at the time, mm -hmm. very, very servant heavy, very, very giving heavy, very like pretty much if you don't serve, you are not valuable. It's kind of what they, which I realized was, that's a very core belief that I talked about, like ableism within the church and religion in general. Mm -hmm. And so realizing like, that's not a truth that I hold on to. That's not something I believe in. And I'm not going to act in that way because it's not true or authentic to me. And like, 
I was so tired of, yeah, just being inauthentic because I was going through this personality change and like trying to be this bubbly, like happy, super active, energetic person. And I was just like, you know what, that's just not me anymore. And it's making me so exhausted to try to be. Yeah. So I probably like, I view it as like, I died the day the accident happened. I died that day. And I grieved myself for two years after mm-hmm. like a deep, deep wow. grief until for two years, until I, I came to a place of like, now I really accept and value who I am, but yeah, I like very much felt like she's that person's dead and people around me are grieving her, but they see, I'm pretty much like a ghost to them. Yeah. So, and how old were you? I forgot to ask. I was 20. Yeah. Yeah. So I was very young. Yeah. Yeah. Which is at the moment, you don't think you're that young, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, I was so young. And that's why also too, like, of course, you know, with counseling and all those different things and now being separated from the situation, I'm like, gradually, I just start to see like, oh my gosh, that was so not okay that that was how, you know, like the educational system that I was going to, how that's how they responded. And that's how they did this or like how different friends said this and how this happened and how I just like went with the flow. Cause I didn't know better yeah. and how like young and vulnerable I actually was in the moment. You always think you're so strong. And like, cause I was, I viewed myself as a very independent person, very strong personality. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember my friends being like, yeah, you're very vulnerable and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, screw you. Like I got this, you know, whatever. But like in hindsight, I'm like, wow, I was so, so, so vulnerable. Well, yeah. And I asked that because one, it happened, like you, you were young, but also like trying to imagine like, cause I'm, you know, we're, we, we, we're both, well, I'm currently in that environment and there's so many 18 and 20 year olds who have never lived, like I haven't lived life in that sense of like experienced any kind of trauma or have any kind of experience with people who have trauma. And so I'm trying to imagine like a group of 20 year olds, like your friends mm-hmm. kind of maybe this being their first like traumatic experience and not, not mm-hmm. having any idea on how to actually be a good friend or to be just a good, like not even empathy, but just like sitting in it with you. And I think mm-hmm. like in hindsight, you can look at, look at that and go, oh yeah, like, okay. But in the moment, like that fucking sucks. <laughs> like. I don't know how you felt, but like, I've had friends who I'm like, I look back on my life and I'm like, man, that was shit. (laughs) You didn't like, and I, in hindsight, I can go and like, oh, you just didn't know any better. But like in the moment I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so true. I will say like my core, the core group of my friends are friends that those are like once in a lifetime, they're a ride. They're true to true ride or die. Like they, like I said, they literally pretty much moved back in to nourish me back to health. Yeah. They created a fence around me when people would start to bombard me with questions. Yeah. They were like just the shield. And I think that took, that was another thing that like, like you said, like people just don't know nobody, you don't get trained to deal with traumatic situations and you never think it's going to be someone you love. That's just, you know, So, but also like their mental health and mine, but like there's people for the first chunk weren't asking me questions because 
I had voiced like, please tell people to leave me alone. Mm. Pretty much like I don't want to focus my whole life now is rehab and trying to learn to function. Mm. Tell me something funny. Tell me something, yeah. give me something to hold on to. Don't ask me about my condition anymore. So yeah. then they would go to my friends, my closest friends be like, ask her them if I had a diagnosis or how I was doing. And I'm sure it came from a good place, but for my friends now, like, and during that time, like that was not good for their mental health. Yeah. There, there's no possible way, especially because some of those friends saw me hit. Yeah. Like they literally yeah. saw it in action. Yeah. So that was a big part as well. It's just like a big learning curve for the institution that I was at. Um, that, you know, yeah, I kind of describe it like, yeah, the trauma happened to me, but it happened to the collective body of people who are there. Mm-hmm. And because yeah. of that, and everybody was so young, nobody knows that my, ref- like my presence creates so much anxiety and trauma within them as a natural response yeah. probably subconsciously but their nervous systems are freaking out because they're like I've never experienced this before and she was somewhere where I've I go every single day that could have been me that could have been my best friend that could have been this this and this but instead like I feel like it wasn't really dealt with or looked at that way and so yeah, I'm always curious. I'm like, how many people are so like, I went to rehab. I'm like, maybe, maybe all these other people should go to rehab yeah, too. Like not think about it. Hey, when it's like someone like you and then the two people that were hit that mm-hmm. had like obvious, I guess, trauma, right? Like you're yeah. physically traumatized. You've been hit, you're injured, you're taken to the ambulance. And then mm-hmm. it's like, okay. Like the rest of the people there are like, well, we were fine. Like, we're fine. It, I guess we'll just pray and move on. And it's like, you just experienced mm-hmm. something dramatic yeah. that it's like, the response probably should have been, okay, we're going to get all of your names. We're going to get you into counseling. We're going to get you into just to even just talk to someone about it mm-hmm. as opposed to like emotionally dumping on your peers. Which probably, I mean, I wasn't there obviously, but yeah it probably happened because then it's like did you just see what happened and it's like yeah oh I get yeah it should have probably yeah Yeah. and I don't necessarily like I think that was the fault in the system I don't know if if that's anybody's fault it kind of is what it is but yeah I definitely sometimes when people ask me about I'm like yeah I'm doing super like well because I'm so in this world of like healing myself and using nutrition and different like natural ways to try to heal myself. But I'm like, but there's so many people who aren't used to the idea of therapy or exposed to like the, the fact that something that witnessing something can be traumatic or like having the energy off someone, like just being around someone who is injured, like you can sense that. And like all those things, how intensely they impact you to the point of like your physical body is reacting but like you might not be attached to that but like you know like physical your body and my body like it's that our body language is so much stronger than what I'm saying yeah and so like there's a lot of stuff there's different counseling forms now that are very like connected to how your body is holding trauma and how your body's um navigating that but that I don't feel like that was a very big discussion for whatever reason so 
Um, yeah, I definitely think that it impacted everybody, whether aware of it or not, but anyone who was like in that environment and like teachers and stuff too, like seeing me, like I am the representation of so much, like so much, like not only the trauma, but then like any insecurities about faith and healing and, you know, the unknown and like there's so many things that just that experience represents that if you're not like aware of it it can be very triggering to be in my presence to be honest and especially in that like season yeah I wasn't planning I don't know if you're planning but I wasn't planning to talk about this but you bring up a good point that I think would be good to talk about but like ableism in church because I feel like you're either aware of it and you see it and you're like um no (laughs) or you're not like I don't know Uh if there's I don't know many people who are like in the in-between where they're like oh yeah like I notice it but like who cares like you either notice it and you're like how how do we fix this like you're actively like that's not okay that's not okay for me it's kind of like accessibility has always been like my main like anytime there's a video on, anytime there's something on, I'm like, why isn't this accessible to everyone? Like, and that sort of thing. But if you Mm -hmm. don't mind just kind of talking about your experience, like, were you aware of kind of the ableist, ableist, that's a word, right? Ableist? Ableist attitude? Yeah. Ableistic? Ableistic. That sounds like animalistic. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to phrase it. I know what you're saying though. The attitude that promotes ableism. Uh yeah in churches before your accident and after your accident what did um I guess how did it present itself or how were you aware of it Mm -hmm. two-part question I would say two-part answer I would say to an extent yes my parents like I grew up with my parents working with people with special needs and then also I will praise Hillsong for this because they have the most amazing um, additionally need special needs program oh, yeah. called treasure chest, which I treasure chest, treasure chest, um, which I served at for three years. Mm. And because of that, I, that opened up my eyes a lot. And then just growing up with like being exposed to that kind of lifestyle and like that, the needs that they had, um, definitely I was already probably a little bit more aware than the average person, but definitely would say you don't know until you know. Yeah. Like you don't know how bad it is until you are the one faced with it because you have the, I don't know if it's like advantage or whatever you want to call it, the privilege of ignoring it. But like, yeah. until you're in that situation, you can't run from it. So right. you don't know until you know, until you're forced to know, and it hits you smack in the face and you're like, oh my gosh, how have I? One for me, it was like, how have I supported this for so long? Yeah. And then the other part was like, oh my gosh, there's so many people who like, nobody gets me. I felt like nobody gets me. Nobody understands. And then it was like, oh, but these, these also traumatized people, they understand. So then it was like, that was super (laughs) cool in a way, because it's this very like special, really deep rooted connection with all these other people who have experienced a similar thing Right. that like it's you don't get it unless you unless something terrible has happened to you pretty much but like if you've had that experience and survived and 
are there with other people, those relationships are, you can't replace them. They're are just the most amazing. So for that, I am always like, I can't believe it. Like they're just so, so deep and there's nothing that can replace that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say for me, it just looks like, you know, being in a chapel service and someone calling out my name and people and them just praying for me without permission. Yeah which for them looked like them trying to support me for, for me, it felt like you're taking away the one place I want to be my safe space. And now I'm the highlight that everybody knows that I was the person who was hit by the car. Yeah. There is no question of who I am. You you've put me plastered me on a screen. So if I thought I was getting questions about things before, now I'm really going to get questions and my mental health was not considered in that and no, no questions were asked whatsoever. And then hands as well, like laying hands on people. Like I had that happen, which is so like, who wants to be touched by a stranger? That's my question. Nobody. So (laughs) I'm like, just because you're in a church setting or a, a religious setting or whatever, why should that change? If someone came up to you in, in a mall, and just randomly started rubbing your back without having any previous discussion, except maybe like a radio being like, go rub someone's back. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and then, and then they come and just start touching your back. Like that's yeah. weird. Yeah. And I don't know why there's some weird exception Yeah. when you're in a religious setting. And it, it again, it took like away my boundaries, my ability to say, yes, I want this or yes, or no, I'm not comfortable with this, or I'm comfortable with this person who I know and have a relationship with versus I'm not comfortable with this person who I know is doing it for show, which was a lot of people and who don't care about me, don't know my name and won't remember this situation unless some miracle happens and they get praise for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is also like (laughs) such a weird thing that like we kind of ascribe miracles to people like when isn't what like (laughs) don't we like how are we gonna like pray someone for being the person that prayed and then you were healed as if it was that one prayer that really got through to God and God's like oh that one that one got me (laughs) yeah and and I just want to say too is like with the not asking yeah it's a big mental health thing because one without asking you are already telling the person I don't accept you you aren't healed you're not worthy of being here without being perfect in my eyes yeah and because you're like this you don't have the right to have a say so I'm going to put my decision on you Mm -hmm. because your opinion doesn't matter because I know what's best for you yeah so yeah those ones are really really big and they're really deeply rooted like, I don't really know where to start. If someone was to be like, how would you reshape this concept in religion? I'd be like, literally, I don't know. Yeah, no, we did a, we did a brief, brief look too brief in my opinion, but on, uh, like disability theology. Mm -hmm. And the one aspect that like really like convicted me was like, you know, the, we talk about like and the new heaven and the new earth, like everyone, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And this idea that like people 
non-able-bodied people will then all of a sudden be able-bodied as if that's what, as if that's God's plan. And it's like, do we, if that's what we think is in the new heaven, like in a perfect world, everyone would be able-bodied. Mm-hmm. And that's actually affecting how you see people with disabilities currently, because you believe that they need to be fixed in order mm-hmm. to like be the perfect creation. And it was yeah. quite confronting because it's like, well, you, there's no, there's no art or there's no depiction of like heaven where there's someone in a wheelchair or on crutches or missing limbs or you know what I mean it's it's everyone Mm -hmm. that looks able-bodied and it's like okay well if that's what we believe as a church then it's going to 100% affect the way that we interact see think about pray for people who aren't able-bodied and it was just such an interesting um and I've done like my own personal dive into it so I'm like oh it is quite quite confronting when you stop and go and then even more so when, like you said, like, how do you even begin to reshape it? Cause you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's been the norm for centuries of, I would say most religions, right. Is this idea mm-hmm. that like, you need to be fixed or healed or yeah, abled in order to be whole, which is such an interesting, it's an interesting yeah. language around it. But, yeah. Not to say that, like, you know, if, if, someone does believe in god or any forms of like the divine not to say that those things aren't real or what you you can't experience healing or something like that it's not that at all it's just treating people who have injuries chronic illness or are disabled any of those things just treat us like a a a human it's not that hard it was hard to say but just treat us like a human yeah you know like it's it's that funny thing where we when you talk about kids we if you're with a child you say okay well would you like it if someone did this to you would you like it if you it's like you train your kids that way but then when you're an adult it's just like you don't (laughs) yeah you don't think that at all but like the example of the grocery store that is exactly it. It is so like, so weird for some random person to come up to you and lay hands on you and just decide that you don't have any say. And so I think actually just being honest, one that you're uncomfortable. A lot of people are just uncomfortable. Mm. So like, just own that. It's fine. Yeah. I I don't need to be fixed. And I'm also not going to say that you have to be fixed like that. It's fine that you're uncomfortable, but just own it. Yeah very it's it's one of those things that I feel like probably isn't as it's one of the many things I'll say that one of the many things that I feel like isn't as talked about in church when it comes to uh creating a very safe and welcome space for people is uh is how much we kind of promote and um maybe I I would I don't know, the optimistic side of me is like subconsciously promote, but it could be also just me being naive, but uh, how much you promote kind of the, promote ableism in that way. And um, Mm -hmm. even though it's done with the best intentions, it's like, well, we need to also consider the the other human being on the other side of this and Mm -hmm. treat them with the dignity and respect that they deserve. 
Yeah. And also I will say for most people who have been through a similar situation as me, like I know pretty fast if you're genuine or not. I, I have a pretty high emotional intelligence. And now that I've been through this, like I sense it, I know it and I can see it on your face. And I like, I know if it's genuine or not. So if I know that I am quite certain that most people in a situation similar to me, because I've talked to a lot of people in my support group and stuff like that, we all have this little magical sixth sense, (laughs) you know, and we know, like, it's just, if you're not authentic, we know we can sense it. We know it. And it's not attractive. It's not anything that you're trying to give off. Like this, you know, if you're trying to give off that you're like super caring and, you know, you want to bring healing and all this magic and da, 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 da. like, we know you're being so inauthentic and not genuine. And it's, it's, it's doing the opposite. It's bringing way more trauma. It's bringing way more like just hurt. So just don't do it. Like if you're not genuine, honestly, I would say like, if someone has an issue, like if I'm very confronting for someone or, you know, they really believe that they, that I need to be healed. I would much prefer someone to come up to me and be like, Hey, um, I don't agree with like how your views are on this. Or like, I feel like you're shutting yourself down from prayer or healing or all that and have a discussion. Then someone come up to me like super happy and like, be like, you're amazing. Thanks for doing this. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I know you're lying. Stop it. <laughs> and everyone's the same. It's a seat. It's a sixth sense that you only get if you have something you know (laughs) all about just being open to curiosity that's how I like to think of it it's like it should be okay that you're uncomfortable with this because you haven't been taught any different or exposed to anything different and that's not necessarily your fault but it's it is your fault if you choose to act in the way where you think that I am less than because I can't do certain things or a thousand percent okay I, we got not sidetracked. It was a great side. We did. We get, we did get sidetracked. But I mean, what's new? I mean, <laughs> it was on topic. I've dived on topic. So, um, circling back, <laughs> way back. We did a massive round the block. I know. It might be because I, does this happen more when you like kind of know the person? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> it does. Oh, it's- no. <sighs> Anyways, we're sort of playing back, you guys. We're coming back, I promise. Okay, so my next question. Okay, trying to remember what we talked about before our sidetrack. We talked about things you were implementing. Okay, mm. so holistically, you briefly mentioned like the holistic, um, your holistic background, holistic health, naturopath, things like that. So what does that look like now for you? So I guess Another two-part question. These are my favorites, I guess, today. <laughs> Our, um, 2021, it's almost November. What does, I guess, your health and the chronic pain look like now? And how, how do you use, um, how do you treat that holistically? How have you, um, what kind of tips and tricks have you picked up along the last four years to kind of, to the point where you're at now as, you know, because it's been four years now to like Mm -hmm. manage that in the best way possible. Yeah. Um, so I, when I was, I think it was two years after the accident, I took a course on massage therapy, just like an online, very basic massage. 
because in physio, like I just noticed that my body was responding to that well. Mm. So I took that course so that, because at that point I was like, this is going to be something that I need treatment for and I need support for. And I don't want to have to go in every single day, but that's what I feel like I need. Mm. So I just took that to kind of learn for, luckily enough, it is on my legs. So like learn what techniques I can use on myself so that I can massage them and give myself some of that release for the muscles. And so I did that. And then from that, I learned how to do cupping, which is a different form of massage. Um, For people who don't know, it's either silicone cups, glass, or plastic. And they're kind of just like, they kind of look like a cup, I guess. And pretty much you just, you either like have a pump that is attached to it, or if they're silicone, you squeeze them and it suctions the skin up. And then it just helps release a lot of toxins and it helps really warm your body up a lot. And then if you have one of those and are moving it, it's, it does give you a massage as well. Cause it's suctioning that skin up and that muscle up as you move it. So I learned about that through physio. They tried it on me and it was like the most relief I ever had. So I just went ahead and bought myself some and then did some research on it and took this massage course. Um, So I started kind of down that track, learning a lot that way. And then when I moved back to Canada, I just had way more access to healthcare here. Um, And so I started going to a herbalist, which happened to just be my sister. Um, And she created like a very specific, um, it's called a tincture, very specific tincture that I take. And I have quite a few different ones I take um, for nerve damage and circulation, turmeric, for an example, is something that's really good to take. So I take a lot of that, both in a capsule and in the tincture that I have. Um, I used to have really bad night terrors and stuff and wouldn't sleep like for a long period of time. So I also, instead of taking melatonin, which is kind of, some people would argue that that's like a natural, a more natural way to go. It's not the best if you overtake it, which I was at that point overtaking. Um, and so I've gotten her to create different tincture tinctures, which for people who don't know, pretty much they're all just different herbs, plants that you harvest. And then they are like, take the leaves and they boil them down they're usually added with oils and then you take them um, either you can like put them in your drink. Like I have some in my tea for an example right now, which is one for um, I think this one is kind of like a mood booster that I take. Um, And then I have, yeah, just, I have lots of different plant-based they're not even succulents, but yeah, tinctures that I take instead of taking, I don't take any medication at the moment. I'm only taking plant-based things and then doing external um, things for my body, such as massage. I also have a home sauna. I do that every day. Mm -hmm. And then we just got a soft tub. We just were setting it up actually. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have that as well. I have almost any anything you've seen on the internet that like has to do with massage or relieving nerve pain or like warmth because there's different types of nerve pain and damage, but for me, like the cold is a really big trigger. It causes a significant amount of pain. So warmth is like the biggest healer. So anything that has to do with those two things I do, I have massage gun. So I'll massage my, my legs, my back. Um, I have lots of CBD creams and things like that, that I take both internally and externally. Um, 
So that's like for the physical side, I have to do something like typically like a sauna and cupping or the soft tub and cupping, or I also have like an acupuncture mat and that's more for, it does help relax my muscles, but also it helps like with my mindset as well. Mm -hmm. So that's the stuff that's like more physical. And then in regards to my mental health, um, because I don't take anything for that either. I listen to a lot of podcasts about mental health for one thing. Mm. Um, also a lot of ones because I was very traumatized by being in church during this time. And so I found other, um, other podcasts that actually aren't Christian. I still would identify as a Christian, but I listen to a lot of manifestation podcasts. I listen to a lot of kind of like alternative thinking, but for me, they're all, there's lots of things that are similar within them and Mm. just finding podcasts where they might word something as if, you know, in a Christian setting, they might say, um, you know, you are experiencing this because you sinned and God needs to teach you a lesson. Like that's something I've experienced in like a harsh way of saying it. Whereas I found with listening to manifestation or like something about Buddhism or a different religion or belief system, they might word it of like, your soul has always desired to have these qualities of life or always desired to be able to connect with people really deeply. And this is just how your soul found a way for you to experience those things and develop those things. Right, right, right. Which is saying the same thing, but, but completely different. Tone. But completely differently. That's let my brain like heal itself mm. from those things. So yeah, mentally, I just really try to expose myself to things that I can almost see an example of what I wish it would be like, like, I wish that this experience was this way and then try to find a podcast or something that kind of represents that. And then mentally I'm like, okay, I've heard it. It's it's happened for somebody else. Let's just go back in my memory. I'll sit in it. How did I feel? What was my temperature? Like, was I like going through all the sensations, like how really really reenacting it, I guess, for myself and my mind and my body. And then being like, okay, in this podcast, they talked about this, what does that look like? And how would I feel if that's how it happened for me, if that's what I felt safe with. And like be by doing this, it's like completely healed my, like so much of my anxiety, my depression, my PTSD. I'm actually at the point where like, they say you'll always have PTSD because it is with like there is a significant change in your brain when you get diagnosed with PTSD but doing exercises like that to change my experience almost of how I remember it has healed Mm -hmm. so much of it not to say that those things didn't happen but they just have neutralized the experience and I'm not emotionally attached to those things because I've told my brain this could have happened this can happen And like, let's just get in. That's kind of what I talked about before with like somatic therapy or like body work is like, let's get in your body. Where are you holding the trauma, the stress, the anxiety? And then let's take that. How would you want to feel? And what would someone have to say to help you feel that way? Right. So I do a lot of like today, I probably listened to three podcasts or something just about, um, it was a manifestation podcast, but just listening to how they were wording things and like, you know, sometimes I first can hear something. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's super tri- like triggering. I can't believe they would say something. And then I'm like, no, just sit with it. Let's like hear her out or hear them out. See what they're saying, get context, like listen to a few podcasts, see if you connect with somebody and then like, just give it a chance. Like just open yourself up just a little bit 
even though like I was very trained not to believe in anything but Christianity and Jesus so it took a long time to be like no like it's fine like you're fine to explore you should explore and if it's healing to you like that's wonderful Mm. so just like giving myself permission to do that and then same with um like I've created my schedule where I can take a nap like I have a nap almost every day um, and that's a like rest is a really big healer for my legs as well doing that I also do exercises but I modify so I do I follow like a Sarah's day workout plan Mm. but I modify it a lot um and lots of topical topical treatments yeah just really being I guess desperate enough to be like it's okay if my form of healing doesn't suit everybody else Mm. and being very unapologetic for that um I don't yeah like I'm like do I say this but I've taken like I do microdosing for an example which is with mushrooms and that's a very good for PTSD it's one of the greatest healers there is Mm -hmm. um same with yeah CBD all those things like before I never was exposed to any of that and it was like so ingrained in my mind that it was like bad and it was this and it was all these negative things yeah but then I was just got to the place where I was like no what feels good for me what does my body like what am I craving what could help me heal you know and I've just like gone with it and lately like I actually where my nerve damage is I really think it is healing because Mm -hmm. it is so 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 itchy like to the extent of like this is gross but I've like woken up with like like blood like blood on my legs because I itch in my sleep I itch during the day like it is so irritating but like that's a sign of healing when you get really itchy like if you have a cut and then a scab and it starts getting right, right, super right. itchy but it's the nerves themselves that are getting really itchy and starting to grow back and yeah. there's actually the other day I noticed there was in my leg there's like between there's like pretty much a chunk of nerve and it's broken in not in half but like a little it's kind of two chunks now so that middle part is starting to heal Mm. so I'm like after four years it's slowly starting to like all the work is starting to pay off but like yeah so much like the other day I did three three hours of self-care and when I say self-care it's it's not like oh I get to do self-care like that's wonderful if you can but it's like, this is survival. This is how I, this is how I can work and stuff. Because when I have a flare up, that's you're down for like a couple of weeks in so much pain, especially if it's cold for me. Like if I have a flare up, it's hard to kind of get back to a level where I can like yeah. function well, I can function to some degree, but well, yeah. it's not going to happen. So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. No, but- does, 100%. I feel like a lot of times, like for me, it looks like I kind of uh, touched on it before. Like it felt very daunting to be in pain and not know what to do mm-hmm. and, and also be told that maybe it wasn't real, which was a whole other, like at 15 yeah. was terrifying to be told like, oh, could this all be in my head? Like, what yeah. the hell does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Um. So that, yeah. So see, I haven't, I've done a lot. I haven't really, I don't medicate for it. Um, my diet did help a lot like changing my diet and yeah me too and I noticed like when I'm dehydrated like 
So diet, water intake, um, CBD oil has helped Mm -hmm. a lot, like both the oil and then like there's like CBD cream. Yeah. um, That's helped a lot. So yeah, I just, I think for a lot of people, if there is like a chronic pain issue, that's kind of, that seems unrelated to anything. Cause for me, no one knew what was wrong. It was like, oh, you're tired all the time. Uh, I have chronic fatigue. I have chronic body, like chronic pain. Um, it was daunting. And so no, hearing a list of things that could possibly help, I think is probably the most, I don't know, for me, it would be the most encouraging thing as a 15 year old to be like, Mm -hmm. oh, there's other ways to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Besides just take painkillers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just so, like you said, it damaged, it's damaging if you're taking them too much. And um, I'm also a big advocate. You mentioned it as well. Like it doesn't have, like the way that you heal doesn't have to look the way that other people heal it may not work for other people but being okay with that that it's just like well my body responds to it really well like I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with it like why wouldn't I so I love that a lot and I'll like type some of that up and put it in the description because I think that having those resources available is really important as well um but yeah to wrap this up I guess my question for you is like we kind of, we talked about like your friends at the time that kind of did it really well, did the, the journey with you really well, but like as an adult now, or like a few years later, now that like the accident's over, the accident's happened and now you're living with something that's chronic. Like what's the best way for people who maybe don't have experience with this to support other people? Because I know chronic pain, like we've talked about differs from person to person. But like, I guess, generally speaking, like what's the best way for people to support other people with chronic pain um, or with chronic health issues? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That's a good question. I think number one for self and for others is always acceptance. Mm. And also your friends need to learn like that it's not personal, that you, you canceling plans is not personal Mm. you're not wanting to like go for a hike and explaining yourself why is not personal Mm -hmm. you need to find friends who or be the friend that's like you know maybe for a period you need you're getting to know a person and you are asking about their condition and like learning what they can and cannot do and I think that's a good conversation to have but then after that point if they say no to something just respect it and don't take it personal. It's probably not because they don't want to hang out. It's because they don't have the capacity yeah. and they also don't have the capacity to probably explain, explain that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just like, and that's hard in friendships because, you know, <laughs> it's a relationship <laughs> and all relationships are hard, but I think acceptance for one thing is really important. And then communication, like I mentioned, and also in acceptance, I want to mention as well, like I'm very pro take medication. If you need medication, Mm -hmm. I am super lucky that I found a way that I don't need medication at the moment. And I hope I don't have to, but there are so many people who end up being like, they do happen to have an addiction to medication because they need it just to survive, to wake up in the morning. And there shouldn't be any shame around that because it's like, you know, it's not their fault that they have this condition. And so like accepting that, yes, you might not understand that, like why they're addicted to these different painkillers and things like that, 
but doing your best to accept that part of them and not shaming them for doing it because they're doing it to survive, I think is a very important part of that, which comes with this area of like chronic pain and chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Um, because everyone's body is just so, so different. Mm-hmm. And so that's like, yeah, such a big thing. And yeah, I think just being available, be available emotionally and also just like have fun, just show up, don't give up on your friends. If they keep on saying no, like, yeah, just show up and just have fun. You know, it's like, I haven't lost my personality just because something sad or bad has happened to me or an unfortunate event. Like I actually think I'm probably more humorous for it, to be honest, (laughs) trauma does that to a person, but yeah. So to wrap up like acceptance, communication, and then just like, don't give up. Yeah. And don't take it personal. Yeah. Well, thank you you so much for taking the time to share your story. I know that um, it can sometimes be a big emotional, take a lot of emotional energy to share something that's personal, that's close, that's happened to you. So thank you for doing that for me and for anyone who's out there listening. Um, It means a lot that you would share that and then also take the time to, I don't know, tell us how we can help and be better human beings. Thank you. Of course. Thanks for having me and enduring our rants together and our (laughs) offshoots. It happens every episode. I don't know. At some point, I'm going to have to stop apologizing for it and just go, I don't know. We're going to be authentically you. You're fine. This is your podcast. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Oh, sorry, guys. I'm my bad. Um, Anyways, I don't, this will come out and then, you know, also authentically me. I don't know when the next one's coming out. I would hope in two weeks time, but look, I got shit. It is what it is. It is. I don't know what's happening. It's also a matter of uh, who wants to talk to me, which I don't know. We'll see what happens. But hopefully by the time you hear this, another one will be on the way and then you'll get to hear me next time. Anyways. (laughs) Okay. Thanks guys. Bye. (laughs)